0: Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions,
1: and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future.
0: Hello there. You are listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host for this segment. Today we are speaking with Ashley Thompson, co-founder and CEO of 50 Strong, a blow molding manufacturer in Lima, Ohio that produces water bottles and bicycle accessories. 50 Strong was formed in 2012 when Ashley and her husband Brendan launched the business. The company is a division of precision thermoplastic components, a custom injection molder and extruder founded by Ashley's father. So I'm also talking to a second-generation manufacturer. The firm made nearly 3 million bottles this past year. Ashley started her career in corporate law. She took a few years off to start a family, then returned to head PTC's Human Resources Department before launching 50 Strong. Her husband, Brendan, was a mechanical engineer at PTK and served as vice president of sales before filling the same position at the new company. Welcome to the show, Ashley.
1: Great. Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit more about uh, the history of 50 Strong. Uh, Your company is relatively new to the scene in what many would consider to be a highly competitive market. What are the advantages of being in that position?
1: Right. Well, a little bit about us. Like you mentioned, I'm a second generation manufacturer. So my father started our manufacturing facility back in 1982. And once I came back into the family business, um, you could say I I caught the manufacturing bug. And and I would walk stores and and look at products. And as I did this, I saw that there weren't that many American brands out there on retail shelves. And that's what brought us to this idea of 50 Strong, was the need for a consumer products company that is focused on making products in the US. And when we developed 50 Strong, we had the focus of making America stronger by making products in America. And to answer the second part of your question about the advantages of where we are in the market, um, you're right. It is a competitive market, especially in the housewares category where we play in particular at mass retail. But being an American manufacturer has some distinct advantages, um, primarily being speed to market. So if you look at some of our competitors, you'll have a brand that will develop the concept and then they typically source it in China. So you're going to have a delay and you have teams working across the globe to try to finalize designs, shipping samples back and forth and then you usually have a lengthy lead time to get products produced in China and then shipped across to the retailer. Where if you look at what we can do since 50 Strong we're a brand and we own our own manufacturing, you know, it's a change in in the Any product comes simply from me walking from the second floor of our facility down to the first floor to talk to our manufacturing team. We can be shipping product usually within a week or two um, if it's something that a retailer needs to get on the shelf quickly. That's what gives us an advantage in a competitive market.
0: And you can do it at the same or lower cost, correct?
1: That's exactly right. And that's that's a key component to success is we know the American consumer loves made in America. They're looking for made in America products, but the caveat is they don't always want to pay more for it. So we know that in order to be a success, we either have to match import prices or in some cases we try to beat them simply to prove a point.
0: And you had mentioned in Plastics News that this also that made in America nomenclature gives you a marketing edge.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. Um, As I mentioned, uh, we do know that consumers do look for made in America. When we put our products on shelf at retail, you will see the made in America prominently. It will either be prominent on the packaging or it will be on a bottle. Um, We don't want the consumer to have to turn the product over. We want them to know immediately that the products that we produce at 50 Strong are made in the U.S. So it's a advantage from a consumer perspective and also for retailers. Uh, Walmart in particular has a big uh, Made in America initiative that you've highlighted here on this program. And for us, it's a great way to tap into some of those programs at major retailers such as Walmart and take advantage of a competitive buying environment where retailers are looking for domestically produced products.
0: In terms of of innovation, I I read where uh, you've started to customize uh, your product uh, through the Simply Better bottles. In fact, Do you have a couple here today? I do. I have
1: two in the studio with me today.
0: Of course, the audience can't see it, but I'll take a photo of it and put it on the website. Great. I read where you've begun to customize your your product through your Simply Better bottles. Uh, What has been the response since you launched that? Sure. We've had a a
1: phenomenal response. And you mentioned innovation. And and for us, innovation is key. When we developed this idea of doing 50 Strong and this American-made brand, we didn't want to produce products that were the same products that you see coming in from China. We wanted to prove that not only can we manufacture in the US, but we can manufacture products that are innovative, that featured great design, high quality. So we didn't want to bring just made in America to market. Let's bring great, innovative, new products that are also made in America. Bring the consumer something different that's going to make them take notice.
0: And what have you added that uh, would be distinct, that gives you what you what you think is the, that competitive edge with these customized bottles?
1: Sure. What's well, it's a number of factors, actually. Uh, we have two bottles in particular, one of which I brought today, which is our mixer bottle. And it's a patent-pending technology where we have a tornado-shaped agitator that helps the consumer, whether they're mixing protein powder, meal replacement shakes, and energy drink. It was specifically designed by our design and engineering teams where our agitator fits down into the edges of the bottles. One of the things that we learned were, you know, people that use these type of bottles, they hate clumps. And we needed something on the market that was different than what other companies are doing and that worked really effectively. So that's just one of our examples. Another item is we have an insulated bottle, which is uh, a bottle where it has patent pending graphics technology. So it's a bottle where we can have great graphics, fine print um, in a bottle that keeps your drink cold. This is a a bottle where typically in the market, people are using a foiled bag. It has a crinkled appearance. We knew we could do it better. So we got to work with our design team and our engineering team and brought a product to market that, again, patent pending. No one else in the world is doing it. So we're pretty proud of that. And we're doing it right here in Ohio.
0: As someone who has uh, bought customized products, I can tell you that uh, a lot of times the the actual product, including the water bottles, is not up to the, the par of what I would like to hand out.
1: Definitely agree with that. And what you'd see with this line is um, I jokingly call this line my third child. Right, I have two other children, but this line is my third child. And how it was developed was I actually started walking stores. I would go literally loiter in the aisles at Walmart, at Target, at grocery stores. And I would stop and I would ask people, why are you buying that bottle? What are you looking for? What makes you choose that one over others? And then I started jotting down notes and I came up with a list of what are must-haves and then what are pet peeves? You know, I have my own pet peeves. I have water bottles that don't fit in my cup holder. Personally, that drives me crazy. So when we developed this line, we actually developed it around the list of must-haves and pet peeves. So some of the other things that we have are every single bottle that we have fits in a cup holder. We even have a bottle that's 36 ounces and our design team designed it so it still fits in a cup holder. All of our components, so that's our lanyards, which are for easy carrying, and our caps are all mix and match. One of the things that I heard from people was, I hate having to match a cap to a bottle and I never know which goes with which, and I lose a cap and then the bottle becomes worthless. Well, you know, we solve that problem. So for us, if you have two or three Simply Better bottles from 50 Strong, you can mix and match. It doesn't matter. There's no sorting through your cupboards. You know that they're all going to fit. So, you know, for me, from a design perspective, I said, let's make this easier. Let's make it easier for the consumer. Let's make it a better product. Um, And so that's what I think we've done pretty well with this line.
0: Sounds like you were doing some market research 101 there in the stores.
1: I did. I yeah. definitely. Um, and jokingly, it was one of those things where even today, every time I go to the grocery store, I, I can't help it, but go past the aisles um, where we have product and see what see what the shelves look like, see what are people shopping for. And that goes back to what we talked about. How do you have a competitive advantage? You have to know the market.
0: All right. You mentioned Walmart. Mm -hmm. Cindy Marsiglio was on earlier, and uh, she discussed... uh the company's relationship with local manufacturers, your company was highlighted. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did your partnership begin with Walmart?
1: Right. So we've actually been a partner of Walmart since back in 2006, dating back to pre-50 strong to when we were just a contract manufacturer. Um, At that point, uh, my father leading the way, we kind of dabbled in the retail market with just one product. It was a tire inflator product, kind of far away from where we were, but we were able to get on the shelves. And we sold that product at Walmart for a number of years, and then it happened to come up in a meeting, you know, with a Walmart buyer, hey, what is it that you guys actually do? You know, and here we're in the plastics industry and we're selling a product that was, you know, very little had anything to do with plastics. Um, So it became kind of a test of what else could you do? And that was part of the uh, For 50 Strong when we started to say, hey, what else can we do? We know that we have a buyer here looking for American-made products. And we were fortunate enough that we already had a vendor number at Walmart. We had an existing relationship, which is a big hurdle for a lot of new companies that are looking to get into a big retailer like Walmart. Um, So that door was open for us. And then it was kind of putting our head together, building the team. What else can we take? And what can we take to this retailer?
0: What do you think is the secret sauce for a small to medium-sized manufacturer to get involved with the Walmarts of the world?
1: So I think it's a couple of different things. Um, first, it's got to be innovation. Uh, you can't go to a retailer with the same old product, right? We, we, a lot of these retailers, they're not looking for another supplier they're looking for better suppliers. So when you go in, you have to have something that they need on their shelves. Um, The second thing is, and I kind of touched on this earlier, I like to call ourselves, we're thought leaders in the categories where we are. When I go into a meeting with a retailer, I am going to know that category better than the buyer is. Um, that's a competitive advantage is I spend time, I know the market, I know the water bottle market better than any of our competitors. Um, that gives you a distinct advantage, especially if you're small. You know, you have, you have to find things to work to your advantage and that's something you have control over is what knowledge do you have of the market you're playing in. Um, the third thing is reliability. Ship quality, ship on time. If you don't have those two items your retail days are over right it's you have to ship quality you have to ship on time and the final thing is be a good partner be kind be nice be easy to work with it sounds so elementary for lack of a better term but we see suppliers who who are difficult to work with so we try to say let's make it easy let's be a good partner let's be honest we admit if we have a problem or we have a challenge we're honest with our buyers and makes buyers wanna come back and continue to work with you. So for small businesses, I think those are some of the keys to success.
0: Going back to the product knowledge statement, do you think that comes from you being a second generation manufacturer? Because it seems as if that would be what people would call, quote unquote, you know, an, an old fashioned way of dealing with your customer.
1: I definitely, definitely agree with that. And I think part of it also just comes from being a consumer. You know, I, Walmart is our biggest customer, but I'm also a Walmart customer. I shop there. I know the pain points of what it's like to shop at these retailers. And I think that brings a a different um, perspective. And it's a perspective that retailers don't always hear. You know, sometimes retailers might hear exactly what they want to hear or only what the brand is going to tell them. But when you can go in and say, hey, this is what it's really like to be shopping your store on a Friday night. When you have your kids with you, you're tired. You're late for supper, right? You have 10 other things going on. Let's do what we can to make the shopping experience easier for the consumer, which is going to make them more apt to buy. So I do. I think it's it's both being a second-generation manufacturer and being a consumer as well and just taking a different perspective.
0: I also understand that you are involved in manufacturing, education, and workforce development. Uh, knowing what I know about Allen County and Lima, Ohio region, Uh, I've uh, really appreciated their proactiveness in connecting manufacturers with education and training resources, and I understand that uh, Brendan and you developed the 50 Strong Foundation to help train workers in CNC programming and operations, electrical and welding, and you also offer scholarships. That's right. How did that start?
1: So for us, this goes back to um, being a second generation manufacturing. This was how I grew up. Um, Our family's been blessed with a very good life as a result of manufacturing. So our family feels that it's our duty to give back. And as our brand starts to grow, we see the need for more skilled workers. Um, You know, this is something you hear about in the news a lot when it comes to American manufacturing. So we thought, what can we do to help the problem. We acknowledge that there is a shortage and what can we step up to the plate and do about it? So we thought scholarships, we see that sometimes workers that are in a factory don't have the funds to go back and further their education so that they can take that next step up in their career to a skilled position that would have higher pay and provide them with a better quality of life. And that's how we developed the concept of the 50 Strong Foundation was to try to give back and build the manufacturing workforce.
0: Is this internal to 50 Strong or are you offering those scholarships beyond your those respective companies?
1: Actually, it's regardless. Um, In fact, our first two scholarship recipients that we've awarded, they don't work for PTC or 50 Strong. Um, They are actually um, in roles that we don't even have for a CNC programmer or a welder. So for us, we didn't start the foundation to build our own employee base. We actually started it that we know that all American manufacturers will benefit Um, If there are more skilled workers. And if it happens that there is a scholarship recipient that comes out and does come to work for us, you know, that's great. But that wasn't at all the purpose. When we started the foundation, it was to generally give a helping hand to people who are willing to make that commitment to further their education. And I think that everyone benefits from that in the long run
0: were your education partners? I, I saw that you have Apollo Career Center. Are, are there others that are have been included in the mix?
1: Right. So at this point, Apollo the Apollo Career Center in Alima is our only partner. Um, our goal is to eventually award a foundation a foundation scholarship in each of the 50 states though. So as the brand grows, we're looking to reach out to additional career and technical schools um, and be able to touch students in, in all of the 50 states.
0: And you also mentioned that not only are, in terms of the scholarships and the actual training you know, that is taking place that you see a benefit in terms of allowing students and teachers to understand about the career opportunities available in manufacturing, correct?
1: That's right. So for us, there's a, there's a general educational component as well. And I think that there's a perception that uh, manufacturing is not a good field. There's a perception that it's dirty, that it's old-fashioned. And we're trying to help change that because it's not necessarily true. There's a lot of great, exciting innovations that are going on. You know, I look at what goes on in our plant and even though I've been there for years, I am still in awe at the things that we are able pr- to produce and the processes that are involved. And I think that if you can share that with people, it will change their perspective on manufacturing. And especially for students um, that are coming up to let them know, hey, there are great jobs available in manufacturing and there are great things going on right here in Ohio. And if we can share our story with them and even give them a glimpse inside our factory as to what we do, then I think we can really get them excited and have them look at manufacturing when they might not even have that as an option on their radar for a career. And I think that's important as well.
0: Speaking of careers, a topic that's near and dear to me is women and and women leaders in manufacturing, and it's warranted. An Industry Week article I read this morning indicated that while women make up 47% of the U.S. workforce and 52% of all professionals and managers, only 29% of manufacturer workforce and 5% of manufacturing CEOs are women. As a woman CEO of mm-hmm. a manufacturer what was your path
1: so my path I, it was interesting to say the least um so as you mentioned i was actually an attorney um you know i grew up in the family business and i was that kid that always said i'm never going to do this right famous last words i'm never going back to the family business i was going to go and have a legal career and that that was going to be my life um and it was Fantastic. I practiced law for five years. I loved it. Uh, When my husband and I started having children, it it changed a bit. And I took some time off to be with our kids. And at that point, there was a need within our family business uh, for a person in human resources. That was a little bit of what I did when I practiced corporate law. So as a favorite to my husband, I actually decided, well, I'll go back in and temporarily I will help out with HR. Again, famous last words, right? I'm still there six plus years later. And I'm so glad I did because when I went back in as an adult, I had an appreciation for what we're doing in our manufacturing facility that I didn't have as a kid. And I think that time away was really critical. And so I... I worked in the HR field for a while, and then we made the transition and decided to start the 50 Strong brand. And at that point, I stepped in as the CEO of the brand and, and took this division over and really had a clear vision for where I know we could take the brand and uh, led the way there. And interestingly, my legal skills actually helped. Um, the marketing is a lot of speaking. It's a lot of writing. And we talked about that research, uh, Legal, the legal profession is filled with research. Uh, so the skills actually translated over um, pretty well. So again, my path was non-traditional, um, but it really, it really put me in a good position for success. And to talk about your second question about why are there so few women CEOs? Oh, this is, you know, I, I don't have a good answer, but I can tell you where, you know, where do I struggle a bit, which I think it may be in part what those numbers are. And you hear about, you um, Women in leadership roles in the family life balance. You know, I think that's one of the the hard challenges that, you know, I don't do it well, I'll admit. There are days that I would say, I am a fantastic mom. There are other days where I would say, I am a great CEO. I led my team well today. There aren't days where I say, wow, nailed it today, I was a great mom and a great CEO. Um, So for me, that's kind of a life lesson I've had to learn. Hey, I'm going to have good days and everything. I'm going to have bad days. And to not expect that perfection and to say, hey, I can lead a company. Not everything's going to be perfect, but I'm going to try to, you know, get up every day and do the best job that I can. Um, But I do think that's one of the things that for some women where I think in some ways they hold themselves back is to think, you know, I don't want to shoot for this top position because I'm going to have to sacrifice my family. Or I'm going to have to sacrifice my personal well-being. Um, so I think for me, that's something that I've struggled with personally um, to say, hey, I, I can't have it all. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to look the way in my head I think it should work. But you know what? It's We're happy. We're healthy. And at the end of the day, you know, trying to live our life the way that, that I think we
0: should live it. Well, on both levels, you're creating something remarkable. Thank you. <laughs> What would be any other advice that you would give women who are interested in pursuing manufacturing?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in general, um, just don't set limits on yourself. I at first found manufacturing very intimidating. Um, I don't have a technical background, I'm not an engineer, Um, I don't have technical skills. And so when you walk into a manufacturing environment without those skills, it's, it can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. Where you say, "Wait a minute, I can't cut this," especially coming from a totally different industry. Um, so I think it's acknowledging that manufacturing success takes a great team, and just because you might have one particular, uh, don't have one particular skill set doesn't mean you should avoid the industry because manufacturing involves so many different skill sets you know i think just in our own field we have engineers we have purchasing agents we have hr we have customer service that requires so many different backgrounds and so for women out there i would say you know don't not look at manufacturing because there are so many great opportunities whereas the skill sets are needed from all different types of people um, so I think it's it's realizing that manufacturing there's really opportunities all across the board. That's great. Thank you.
0: One of the few th- one of the things we ask most people when they come on the show, and I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. uh, to wrap up, uh, what would surprise us the most about Fifty Strong?
1: This is a great question, um, and I've thought about this. And one of the things that that I think would might surprise people is just some of the day to day realities. And I think back to a time in November when. We were flying to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is where Walmart is headquartered. And there was a moment when I stopped and I looked around us at the airport, and we had four suitcases. Four suitcases that were filled with water bottles. They weren't filled with clothes, they weren't filled with anything like that. They were filled with water bottles. And there, you know, you are at the airport going through airport security. Some of these we had in carry-on. So I have to tell the TSA agent, he, my my bag is filled with water bottles. There are samples. We're heading for Walmart. And, you know, it's one of those moments where you step back and you think, wow, six years ago, I would have never imagined I would be walking through an airport with four suitcases filled with water bottles, right? And, and sometimes the night before a meeting, something's going to break. A prototype is going to break. So you're going to run to Home Depot or whatever and you're going to be looking for super glue to put that back together. So I think some of the surprising moments are the realities of what is it actually like to to run a company and what is it actually like to work with some of these big retailers that there are going to be times where it's the night before and you you've just gotten off an airplane and it's midnight and you are super gluing a prototype back together. And but you know it's it's what it takes. It's kind of the hustle part behind the scenes, but that's the part that, that makes you a success in the long run and that you can really learn from.
0: That is hilarious. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on the show. Thank really you. appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been great.